Welcome to this Under the Covers episode of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to their written words. This is the Friday version of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where host Landis Wade and his author guests get under the covers. That's right. We get in and out because there are just too many interesting books and engaging authors in the region and not enough time. And just like the longer version of the show, you'll learn interesting facts about the authors and their books, and the authors will read their work. And also like the longer version, you will find images, links, and information about the authors in the show notes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Park Road Books, the oldest and only independent bookstore in Charlotte, conveniently located in Park Road Shopping Center. And by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence. We're also grateful to those of you who offer member support, for which I'm pleased to offer in return member-only content curated with our authors and myself. You can find out more about this member-only content and how you can help authors give voice to their written words at charlottereaderspodcast.com. When Landis is not getting under the cover at bookstores, at events, and on the road, he does it in the well-equipped podcast studio at Advent Coworking, located in the Belmont community near Uptown Charlotte. But enough with the prologue. Let's get under the covers. I'm your host, Landis Wade. Thank you for listening. Hey, listeners, in this Under the Covers episode of Charlotte Readers Podcast, in honor of Valentine's Day, which, by the way, as you should know, is today, we meet Sophia Henry, author of the romantic suspense duet Saints and Sinners, because Sophia was taken with what Oscar Wilde said, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. She's also the author of Material Girls Romance Series and a number of sports romance books. Sophia, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so glad to have you. So this is, you know, I don't know, this, I might have some withdrawals here. This is second episode on romance within like a seven-day period here. So we had yeah. we had the lead-up uh, with Tara Kelly into this, and now, you know, you're coming on the show here, yeah. and y'all are friends, right? And, we are, absolutely. Yeah, you actually yeah. share ideas and get together and do things. and yeah. Yes. Yeah, good. Well, um, she's not here to save you today. You're all by yourself. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> we could actually talk about her, except she might hear. You know, she might. Well, she, that's good. I would only she, say good things, so okay, she can right. hear anything we say. Okay, so a little bit about you. Um, <clears throat> your first romance books were published by a uh, you know, traditional publisher, right? Absolutely, yeah, yes. And who was that? Uh, Random House. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're what kind of books were those? Um, those are hockey romance. So it's a five-book series. Hockey players are romantic? Hockey players are extremely <clears throat> romantic. No, I mean, I can see maybe how women might find hockey players attractive. I cannot see how hockey players are romantic. How's a hockey player romantic? You know? How are they not? I how mean, they, they are. Yeah. I think they're everything that you know. a lot of romance readers are looking for. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're athletes, so they have, you know, the... The abs, you know, yeah, the bodies, they yeah. have the but money, they're, they're, they have the social, you know, standing, yeah, um, yeah. you know, and they're well, fun to watch. I guess I'm kidding with you a little bit because <laughs> I, I grew up in the South and, you know, hockey, we don't know much about, right? You have to call it ice hockey. You can't say uh, ice hockey. hockey. Can't just say hockey? Yeah. <laughs> no, you have to say ice hockey in the uh, South. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's true. I mean, I, I, I think about that sometimes. If I'd grown up in the North, I mean, I've always grown up anything with the ball, any activity, I probably would have played hockey, you know, ice oh, hockey. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so you are um, you like hockey players. Right? I do. Yeah, yeah, they were my first heroes, like okay. as yeah. a child, you know, as a yeah. teenager growing up, and then still. All right, so you do this series with uh, Penguin Random House, but then you decide you're going to go 
the independent route, right? Yeah. Yes. And, and why'd you do that? Um, because I wanted to make writing my career. Um, and unfortunately, I wasn't making enough money off that series to make it a career and feed my kids. So um, that's when I started doing independent publishing. I needed more control over what I was doing mm-hmm. um, because I'm also a little bit of a control freak like that. So it was nice having the power to have control over everything from editing covers, what I was writing. Um, if I wanted to do a different series, I could um, instead of just being a hockey romance writer. Yeah, I've heard, you know, I've talked to a number of romance uh, authors and I had another one of your friends on, Jessica Peterson. Yeah. And uh, she she did the same thing. Yep. She went traditional route, but now she's independently publishing and putting out a lot of books a year. You can't put yes. out a lot of books a year with a traditional publisher, right? You you know, it just takes time and things get in the way. Yep. Now, you might not have the large platform and bookstores, but yet you've got this thing called the Internet, right? And the Internet yeah. is very powerful. No offense yeah. to bookstores. I love them. I spend yeah. a lot of time there. Yeah. But the Internet is very powerful. Yeah, and that's how you sell most of your books, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, digital All copies. Right. We might come back to that in the writer's life, but uh, let's let's get closer to you and the books that you're writing here. You're, I guess you like ice hockey because you're from Detroit, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, can, it can be colder up there than around here. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and you got an English degree from Central Michigan University, and then you moved – to the warm climates of North Carolina. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why? Um, you know what? It's actually kind of funny how I got here. Um, I was all set to move to Atlanta to be a flight attendant. It's the only thing I wanted to do after graduating. Um, and then I just got cold feet last minute, and I called up Delta, and I said I was not going there. I was like, hmm, where should I go? So I closed my eyes, and I pointed to a map, and it landed at Asheville. And in the year 2000, Asheville didn't have a huge amount of jobs, so I chose Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And a month after graduating from Central Michigan University. I moved here with all my stuff. Yeah, and you say you spend your days writing books and tweeting too much. Is that right? I do. <laughs> I do. I like to tweet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Follow <right>. me. <laughs> uh, you got any tweeting in your romance books? Is there some tweeting going on? Um, yeah. There's social media. Okay. Social yeah, media. more right. Instagram. All right. Yeah. So today on Valentine's Day, we're featuring yes. your book, Centers. But before we get under the covers together, let's talk about your book cover. The book cover. It's a, you know, again, we're on audio, but let's describe this book cover for our listeners. Oh, yeah. Um, the book cover is really, um, it's a, a very good-looking man with facial hair, like some scruff, 5 o'clock shadow, maybe even 10 o'clock. Um, and he's got a leather coat over his shoulder and tattoos on his back. And you can't see full man chest because he's kind of to the side, but he's just got this brooding look on his face. Um, which kind of sums up saints, <laughs> sums up the main yeah, character. <laughs> he's got a chain around his neck, yes. but, but, and uh, he's got something around his wrist, some probably leather ambulance of some kind around his wrist, and a, yeah. a belt that uh, was, and his pants are kind of hanging low in the back there. Oh, yeah. Bit, yeah, leather pants. Yeah. But, you know, you said you call it saints, but he looks a bit like a sinner to me, you know? Which goes back to that Oscar Wilde <laughs> quote from the beginning. Yeah, okay. Yes. And tell us about the little... Uh, you know, token on the front here, you've got the sickle from, because this involves a historical period of time we're going to talk about, but you got the sickle and the hockey stick, right? Yes, um, because again, uh, hockey players are, are always running through my head, and actually um, what made me want to write this story was um, things that were happening in the early 80s, late 90s, um, during the fall of communism and the, mm. the breakup of the Soviet Union. So that's why the hockey stick, because it was hockey players were defecting. Yeah, so let's just let's flip to the back of the book a second, the yes. back cover, because before we get under the covers here, but uh, you, you've got a little uh, teaser here on the back. Uh, why don't you just read that teaser for us right quick? Yeah, absolutely. 
Moscow, 1989. Food shelves are empty, streets are lawless, and I still have to make the biggest sacrifice of all. When my twin brother defects from Moscow to play hockey in America, a ruthless Russian gang sets their sights on me as part of an extortion plot. The leader of a rival organization offers to keep me safe for a price. In exchange for his protection, he wants my body. And as badly as I want to say no, body over life seems like a better deal. But as I slip deeper into his world and his affections, he demands more from me. Now, he wants the only thing I'm afraid to give him, my heart. Okay, so uh, now we got the front cover of the book, the back cover of the book. You ready to get under the covers? Yeah. I'm ready. All right, Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's do it. If you like our mission of helping authors give voice to their written words, please consider leaving a short written review about Charlotte Reader's podcast on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Because when you leave a review, it helps authors reach more listeners. You can keep up with news about the show and member-only content for our member supporters by joining our email list. We promise not to spam you because, well, that takes too much time. And if you do join the list, we will give you a free ebook written by me. The first book in the Christmas Courtroom Trilogy. Charlotte Reader's Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Uh, where did the gem of this story originate? Uh, I know the novel is completely fictional, but uh, I think you said that this storyline sort of had an inspiration in, in real life. It did, absolutely. Um, during the, the early 90s, there were players from the Soviet Union who had played for the Red Army team and other organizations within uh, the Soviet Union, and they were defecting because things were getting really bad over there with the fall of communism, the fall of the country. Um, nobody knew what was going on. So when players started defecting, um, they were going to America and Canada to make a lot of money. And what happens when Russians who are not used to making money see people making money? Um, the mafia comes out. You know, there's a people who always want a part of that, what they're making. Um, so that that was really happening. That's a real life history. And so that was happening when I was growing up, and I was always so intrigued by it. So that is actually the basis of the story. It just came. That's where it came from. Was what would happen to the family left behind of those players who were defecting? So you heard about some real life stories, real hockey players who yes. were from Russia who were probably being extorted because they had family back home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in this book, it starts out with I think uh, you know most books have. Uh, an inciting incident of some yes. kind, right, if you're telling sort of a hero's journey story here. But yours, I think, uh, at least from my perspective, had two inciting incidents. One, Vanya, who's the member of the Soviet hockey team, he defects to the U.S. Uh, that's one inciting incident. And then the second comes closely on the heels when, is it Stasha? Is that right? Stasia. Stasia. She's the protagonist and also the twin of Vanya. Yes. She's kidnapped. Yes. Early in the book, right? Yep. Suddenly everybody's, you know, he's running to the U.S. She's running from the mafia, but she doesn't do it and she gets caught. Yeah. 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 Thrown, well, she thrown in the back yeah. of a car, hauled thrown away. Thrown in the back of a car. Doesn't know where she is. Nope. Wakes up and she meets who? She meets Kirill Antonov, who she actually has a past with. Um, it's someone that she knows. And she's surprised at first because she thinks he's there to help her. Um, and that is not the case. He was actually the one that kidnapped her. Yeah, and I had a hard time, you know, 
sort of connecting with this idea that the guy who dated her once or was with her once, here's how he's going to get back on her good graces. He's going to kidnap her, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, but, I see that. But then he does, right? He does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's the twist. Yeah. That's the twist. Let's talk about the setting and the time period for a minute. The period's 1989. You didn't set this in, uh, you know, when the wall was up. You set it after the wall came down. Can you talk about that period of time and what's going on in Russia during that period of time? Absolute chaos. Um, nobody knew what was going on. You were standing in line for food. Um, the, literally, the streets were lawless. Uh, police didn't know what to do. Mafia was everywhere. Um, people were, just like what happened to Stasia. people were being just taken off the streets, um, killed. Um, there was there was nothing. I mean, people didn't know what to do because, you know, when your country and everything you've known for, I mean, they were under communism for 75 years, um, everything you know is just falling and crumbling. You don't trust your leaders. You don't trust your neighbors. Um, so I think it was a very, uh, it, it was an extremely scary and dangerous time for a lot of people, and they didn't realize how they were going to make it through, I think. All right, Sophia, you've got a read here for us, um, and that's what we do on Charlotte Rue's podcast. We want authors to give voice to their written words, and you're going to do that now. But we're at a point in the book here. So Vanya has uh, defected. The mafia is engaged. Uh, she's been kidnapped. She's not sure why. And then she realizes Carol is there. Anything else you want to say about it before you, before you read it? Um, she's really excited when she sees him because this is a friend of hers from her childhood. This is someone who grew up as a almost a brother to her because they grew up in a communal apartment. And um, she's excited because she thinks maybe there's hope now that she's got a chance to... Exactly. She okay. thinks he's there to save her. Okay. So take it away. The only people who wear black leather coats in today's turbulent times are mafia. The man standing inches away looking down on me as though I were just another stain on this dirty floor, is not the same man I thought I'd fallen in love with. During the years, he protected me from Papa's abuse when my brother wasn't around. This Kirill is the man who got so upset, he beat my father to within an inch of his life the last night I saw him. The sliver of light from the cracked door seems as bright as the afternoon sun after being stuck in this pitch-black room with no windows. I squint, trying to remember his cold, hard eyes as I once knew them, back when the light blue hue resembled that of dreams in clouds, things that could carry me away from my miserable existence. Why have you done this? I ask meekly. Carol pauses, looking at me pensively before answering, short answer, you belong to me now. Long answer, I saved your life. Excuse me? I ask, blinking a few times to make sure I'm awake and not in a bizarre nightmare, gaining my voice in the process. How do I belong to you? I won you in a card game. He shakes his head dismissively, as if that's the end of the subject. It was a long time ago. You won me in a card game, I repeat. What the hell does that mean, you won me? I'm not a piece of property. That's true, but your father keeps gambling with no means to pay. He said he had nothing of value, but I beg to differ. His lips turn up in a smile, but it's not kind or friendly. It's the sinister smile of someone toying with me. I'm not my father's property, I say, ignoring his backhanded compliment. How can I stop to appreciate anything when my life is worth so little that my father offered it up in a card game? 
You're free to walk out right now. He gestures toward the door. Silky black hair pops out from where he tucked it behind his ear. Are you serious? I ask. After being thrown into a filthy, freezing floor in a dark room and left for hours, I can't help but be suspicious. But I'm also intrigued to find out why he'd offer to let me leave. My gaze shifts from the door to him. What's the catch? It's not a catch, but there is something. Of course there is. I roll my eyes. He's mafia. There's always a catch. But it's still your choice, Stasia. I'll give you the facts and the offer, and you can decide. Any hope I had of returning home to the warmth and stability of my apartment seeps out in a slow, sad breath. A mafia thug would never give me an offer or a choice that benefits me. Not even a thug I once loved. So, Sophia, this is kind of Sophie's choice here. <laughs> it is. <laughs> she's got to make a decision because if she actually leaves, she's uh, she might be, be kidnapped by a worse crowd. Is that the it, idea? If she leaves, she'll be she will be kidnapped by a worse crowd. Um, and if she leaves, she's also going to be questioned by the KGB, which uh, might be just as bad <laughs> back in those days uh, because they want to know why her brother, what she knew of her brother's defection. And she's got to kind of navigate this world and figure out. Uh, not only how to escape, but uh, how to escape all these different people that are imprisoning her. And yet, over this period of time, she comes closer to her kidnapper, right? Yeah, she does. Yeah, and there's some uh, some steamy scenes that take place. Yeah, There are. Yeah, okay. Because you, you wouldn't have a, a romance book without that, right? Yeah. No, no uh, not me, personally. Not you, personally. All right. All right, well, let's speak. Let's talk about that just a second, the little writing life. we got a yeah. few minutes here left to do that. Uh, you uh, you write to publish and you write to make a living. You said to feed your kids. Do your yes. kids know what you do? They do. Yep. They do. Yeah. They help okay. me pick out cover models. They do. They yeah. do. Yeah. How How old are your children? Um, ten and almost seven. Okay. Okay. And you do use a pen name, right? I and, do. And that, in part, is marketing and just you kind of get started that way, or what? Um, when I first started publishing, Random House asked me to take a pen name. Uh, because there was someone publishing with them that had a similar name to my uh, real name. So I said yes, and um, I was happy to. I kind of always wanted to take a pen name because it separates my real life from my author life, and I like that, especially for my children. I don't mm-hmm. use their real name when I do my social media. Sure, I sure. just, you know. Well, nice. I was thinking back to when I was in fifth grade and somebody found a Playboy that uh, I think one of the school teachers had posed four years ago, and it got around pretty quickly. Yeah. What's going to happen when one of your kids' uh, friends finds the book and— you know, I would much rather they find out from me okay. than by what they learn on the internet. <laughs> okay. That's true. That's true. Okay, but romance, I think I talked with this last week with Tara Kelly, it's, it's more than sex, right? You, you do more than just have sex in these books, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think if you I took mean, out the sex scenes, it would still be a phenomenal book. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, because you got history, you got a story, you got plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heaven forbid you got plot in a yeah in a romance. There's a lot of plot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most, I mean, I don't know that I've ever read a romance, an actual romance novel that didn't have a plot. I mean, mm-hmm. there are erotic novels that might not have much of one, but you know, I've never read a. Did you enjoy doing the research for this book? Oh, absolutely! I've been researching this for 25 years. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of the book of my heart. So you're researching the history. You've got the history. You've got the romance, and. Uh, You've got the sex scene, so what's more fun for you to write? Um, the history and the romance are really fun to write. Like I like, I love getting in people's heads and finding out what makes them who they are, why they would choose this, why they would choose that. Um, so that's my favorite part mm-hmm. of it. 
It's a sociologist in me. Cool. So what's writing this book meant in your journey as a writer? You've got saints, you've got sinners. It's something you've researched for 25 years. So what's this done for you in your writing journey? Um, it was my first historical romance. So that and my first romantic suspense, two things I never really thought I would ever do, and mostly contemporary romance. Um, but being able to put my passion and love for Russian culture, history, literature, um, all into one, um, I think that it it made me, it, it put myself, I guess, on a different level. Mm. Like, in my head, you know, I don't think I'm better than anyone, but it, it definitely put me on a different level that I was able to take all of my mm. loves and, you know, do it for my career. That's great. So, yeah. any hints about what's coming in Sinners? You know, it's a duet, right? So, I read to the end of Saints, and there's kind of a cliffhanger there. It's like I felt like an old, you know, okay, <laughs> you got to tune in next week, right? Yeah. But you can buy these together online as an ebook and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. As a so duet, that was the point. What's <laughs> coming in Sinners? What's coming? <laughs> um, what's coming? Well, you know how it ends, Landis. So, <laughs> um, it's really hard for me to tell you what's coming, but I will say that Stasia. Um, finds herself a little more. She finds yeah. herself breaking away from the mafia. Um, she finds herself in the United States. Mm. Um, so she gets a chance to go over there as well. But she still got some conflict, I assume. And so yeah. Absolutely. There's yeah. there's conflict. Yeah. The mafia doesn't let you go. No, yes, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, look, this is great that you figured out a way to uh, turn this into a uh, you know a career and you're doing it on yourself and being your own boss and setting your own schedule and even telling your kids about what you're doing yeah. and keep, keeping them so... So um, one last question. Uh, why do you write? I write because I have hmm, – I write because I love having a platform to use my voice. Um, we live in a world where so many things are happening, and some of us feel like we can't do anything. Some of us feel like things we do do don't make a difference, and I feel like my books might make a difference even if it's – allowing somebody to escape for, you know, a couple hours, even if it's um, maybe they learn something about history in Russia. Um, so for me, you know, maybe maybe they said, I, I understand how that person felt, that character, and that is very important to me. And if one person says it, it makes, it makes what I do worth it, and that's exactly why I do it, because I've felt that way about books. So uh, we're going to have sh uh, links in the show notes and photos and everything, but where can people find your website? Uh, I am at SophiaHenry.com. All right. Sophia, thanks. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Sure. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to their written work. Landis will be back next Friday getting under the covers with another interesting author. But before then, coming on Tuesday, we'll have another long-form episode with readings and conversations about the written words and the writing life of a local or regional author. Landis loves helping authors give voice to their written words, but he can't do it alone. If you're inclined to help me help authors give voice to their written words, please consider becoming a member supporter. We'd love to have you as a member. And when you join at certain levels, we'll give you access to member-only content curated by the authors and me. Would you like to hear more from the authors? Perhaps a variety of presentations on writing craft, or additional readings, or tips on marketing and social media. Would you like some behind-the-scenes insights and reflections from me or some edited content from previous episodes without interruptions? You can find out more about these member-only benefits and how to become a member supporter at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. Until next week, I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast.